All right, man. Hey, I got a special opportunity before we light the fuse on this show. You need to stay tuned until the end of the show. This is David Costa. I am the Renegade Aviator. Let's light this fuse. Here we go. In the air and on air, here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, up there we have done. Two soldiers, five. We are the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bunker brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn and half school phase. Left turn out. In the air and on air, the Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, back with you again. And each and every week, we're talking air shows. Each and every week, we're talking about aviation events, excellence demonstrated. We're talking overcoming obstacles and achieving goals. But before we start into this week's interview, I just want to mention what we're doing. The air shows might be dark. Our air shows might be canceled. But I want you to remember three simple words, worldrecordjet.com. We are amplifying the value of the money that we're raising for this project. We are going after world records with our TS-11 Iskra jets, and we are doing it with the Generation Z, with the young adults, with the new generation in aerospace. A boomer like me, I've had my chance. The jet may be over 50 years old. I might be over 50 years old. The records we're going after might be over 50 years old, but the kids that are going to help us are in their 20s, man. This is outstanding. So the sponsors, the industry partners, the events, the institutions of learning, and the young adult professionals are all going to benefit. Just remember this, worldrecordjet.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to launch right into this interview because a lot of people have been sending me messages. What is going on with the Steel National Championship? air races, and I've got a treat for you. I've got the chairman of RARA, the chairman of the board of directors of of the Reno Air Race Association, Mr. Fred Telling. Fred, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. Well, David, thank you very much, and it's delightful to be here. And, And before we even begin talking about Reno, I just have to thank you as you mentioned, uh, this 2020 has been a year unlike uh, any we've experienced before. So many air shows and air races that have been canceled. And your show and your efforts help keep alive the excitement and the enthusiasm because so much of what we do is really to inspire a younger generation to pick up what we all have loved and enjoyed over the years, to honor the history of the races, and to have an exciting opportunity to set new records each year. So thank you and everything Renegade Radio has done for the air racing community and for the air show community. We're delighted. Well, Fred, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that. I'm humbled by that because um, this is a labor of love, what you're doing, what I'm doing, what everybody's doing. There's so many people that are behind the scenes 
that have a passion and are willing to take that passion and work really hard to inspire others and to help other people realize. Fred, you've got a very diverse background, a very rich background, um, not just in aviation, but in the business world. So what brought you to be the board of directors of RARA? Well, it's a bit of a circuitous path, but um, I, I actually um, fell in love with flying when I was in college. And um, not only did it become my first love in many ways, but it more importantly enabled me to meet my first love, my, my current wife, and my first wife, my only wife, and I hope that stays forever, coming up on our 44th anniversary. We're both learning to fly at a small upstate New York airport at the same time. I met her actually the night that I got my license in 1971, and um, she soloed the next day, and I wanted to be the first to congratulate her. So uh, it took me four and a half years throughout college to get her to marry me. But, you know, as I say, aviation became an early love, and I met my first and only love. So, you know, it's just been a big part of our lives. So we, you know, I flew, you know, Warbird guys would derisively, I'm afraid, occasionally call them spam cans. But, you know, I'm not civilian trained. I wasn't a crop duster, so my route into... Racing was a was a bit longer and security it's more circuitous than some. You know, I started out in Pipers and Cessnas and worked my way up over the years with a commercial license and multi and instrument and flying just became a part of our life. And indeed, our daughter is both a helicopter pilot and a uh, fixed wing pilot. In the mid 80s, uh, I started going to the races as a spectator. After about 14 years, I guess it was it was 98. I was there, and I turned to Barbara for our box, and I said, you know, I think I could do that. If she were here, she'd remind me. After she picked herself up off the chair from laughing, she rapidly explained at least three or four reasons that was among the dumber ideas that I'd had. But they were all good facts. I mean, I I was not military trained. I I didn't have any tail dragger time. I wanted to fly T-6s, which was, you know, as everybody has said, it's the pilot maker. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know, that's that's all true, but I can learn. And uh, with Gene McNeely's help I, and some others of friends, I, I found my first T-6. I got trained down here in Spruce Creek by uh, Pete Vandersloos. Went out to Pylon Racing School in 2000 and 2001. 2001 would have been my rookie year. I qualified actually on Monday, September 10th. I can see it clear as a bell with one other person in the T-6 class. And obviously, we woke up the next morning to 9-11. Yeah. Um, all racing was off. And uh, indeed, as you know, all aviation was shut down for a couple of weeks. So uh, 2002 became my first rookie, real rookie year. Although for a year, I could, with a little stretch of the English language, I could honestly say I was the fastest qualified T-6 pilot that year. There you go. Taking only a little liberty that we're only two of us qualified, so so technically I was the faster. But as a good friend said, never let the facts get in the way of a good story. So, and I so I took up uh, T6s then. I was very lucky to be trained by Mary Dilda. You know, I think as you know, Dave, the the racing community is a a tight knit community in part. Uh, I won't quite make it analogous to the military. We don't. Nobody's shooting at us, but. When you're flying, ultimately every one of us that's flying is counting on being comfortable with the guy next to him or gal knows what they're doing. You know, there are only something like 120 qualified race pilots in the United States right now. It's, you know, it is in each of their classes. It's a very 
tight-knit community. They train together, they fly together, but they only get to race together once a year. So that was my path in, and, um, and I've continued, and along the way I was honored to be elected the president of the T6 class. I'm, I'm now actually president for my 12th year. And about four years ago, John Agatha reached out to me and asked if I would consider joining the board. So in 2015, in December of 15, I was elected to the board. I Little did I know he had his eye on me to become chairman, and so June of the next year, he explained to me, you know, some of the other options for being chairman, and I said, well, what about so-and-so? Well, no, you know, they've been chairman before. What about so-and-so? Well, they don't live in Reno anymore. I said, well, I don't live in Reno either. He says, oh, yeah, but Fred, I, I've already got five out of the six votes. I don't even need your vote, but it'd be nice if you wanted to vote for yourself. <laughs> so I became I became chairman in October of uh, that next year, and um, Unfortunately, we lost our CEO, and so after a CEO search, we, we didn't find somebody the board was comfortable with, so I took on the role of a volunteer CEO, and I've uh, been doing that for the last two and a half years, and I'm honored, I'm honored to serve. As you said earlier, so much of what happens in the aviation community, whether it's CAF, EAA, NADA, you know, it's so many volunteers doing so many things, and the Reno Air Races themselves could not operate were it not for the nearly 1,000-plus volunteers that help us out in everything from security to pylons to judging. It's uh, it's just, uh, it's a heart, you know, it's a heartwarming experience. Not only is our September community dear to us, but all the people it brings back together every year. Well, it is, and it's what I call a lesson in persistence, because if you listen to the naysayers, which are, you know, naysayers are the biggest experts in the world. This challenge can't happen. You know, the races are dead or this event is dead. And it's it's not the case. Every year, the Steel National Championship Air Races come back and they overcome challenges. And so what I tell people is, you know, a lot of these events, this is the only event of its kind left in the world. And I don't think, and maybe you could help shed some light, the challenge to put on such an endeavor is to this when you're the only one out there. And I think uh, you've got raging fans out there that are chomping at the bit to come see you next year. Well, I have to make only one small correction lest anybody call me out in the future. But <laughs> there is, I mean, you know, as you well know, in the history of air racing, it's long, it's deep, it's gone back through them. I mean, the earliest air races were before World War One in France. And um uh, but air, modern air racing, as we knew it, really began in the 20s, 20s throughout the 30s. Indeed, in the 30s, as you know, um, Jimmy Doolittle and many of the other people that became famous World War II aviators were along the way racers, and some of the racing aircraft were indeed faster than what the military had in their own group. So air racing's had a long history. After World War II, unfortunately, there were a couple of fairly tragic accidents. And unlimited air racing uh, was stopped. Uh, sport and jet racing didn't really exist at that point in the modern sense. They came around in about 98 and 2000. So the only thing that was allowed to continue were uh, biplane and formula racing. So one, I, I have to confess, you know, look, formula racing uh, with a couple of people out there, they've organized some races overseas, closed course pylon racing, and some biplane races. Indeed, we were part with them in doing a race in China a little over a year and a half ago. The other feature is, you know, we're looking to expand. Had it not 
been canceled from COVID. We're actually uh, in deep conversations with Edmonton, Canada, to bring air racing up there. They've got a great, they call them Harvards, T6 Harvard community. Yeah. And sport pilots and the Unlimiteds are looking forward to it. And the FAA has been a wonderful partner. You know, we've, we've had some tragedies and accidents. The, the Leeward accident was the first time at Reno that civilians were actually uh, harmed. And, you know, air racing has gone through far more regulation today than it used to. But in the process, many things have improved dramatically. The training that goes in in the pylon racing seminar that was begun in the late 90s by Reno and is is a joint effort. You know, Ra-Ra's manages the uh, course and uh, the Unlimiteds, I mean, each of the classes manage their own training programs, all supervised and overseen by the FAA. And I have to take a moment, actually, to, to just shout out at all of our classes. I mean, the classes each have a president. I happen to have had the pleasure of being the president for the T6 for a long time, but Sherm Smoot follows many great leaders in the past, sharing the Unlimiteds, Mike Steiger in the Jets, Bob Mills in the sport, and sport's really the largest class that we have today. Um, my own T6 class and Philip Goforth in Formula and Mike, uh, let's see, who took on for Mike Stubbs? Mike Stubbs in biplane. So, you know, the reality is we're really fortunate. These people volunteer all their time. They organize the trainers, uh, the curriculum and the classroom and the on-course training. And it's so important because... Uh, One of the things that makes our event iconic is, especially with the addition of Stoll now, we'll have seven, it's the only place in the world where you can see seven classes of closed course pylon racing, should be clear, six classes of closed course pylon, Stoll, you know, does a reverse track race down and back. That's what makes it, that and its history, you know, it had its 56th year, 2020 would have been the 57th year. Because we couldn't even start this year, 2021 will be our 57th year. I'm uh, hoping I can get Heinz Ketchup to help sponsor us, you know, yeah. 57 Spices. Yeah, yeah. What could be better? <laughs> um, but, you know, so I just have to say, I have to recognize Formula One's had a long and illustrative history of, uh, of racing in those post-war years until 1964 when unlimited air racing was brought back, first just north at Pyramid and then uh, down at Stead Field two years later. And since then, it's grown. I mean, in the early days, basically, it was just unlimited, biplanes and formula, and then T6s joined, I think, in 67. And then Sport, I believe, was 98, and Jets, I believe, were 2000. And Stoll, we had it the first time at Reno last year. So, a challenge we face sometimes is having enough time in the day to get all the racing in and still have some great civilian and military acts to inspire our young and to honor our veterans. And it's just, it makes it an incredible four and a half days of what I call aviation celebration. It is. It's in a great community, the Reno community, um, outstanding location, usually outstanding weather, and just a just something that I think needs to be experienced for those people that are used to going to air shows. Uh, you've got some unique challenges, and this year with COVID, it's easy to second guess. Well, we should have or should not have, but the sponsors are, this is what I've been saying this whole season, it's the sponsors that are key right now. Whether or not we can hold the event is one thing, but I'm sure you, you look at it as well on the business side of this. If the sponsors spend the money, and the people don't come, we lose those sponsors for future years. So this year is kind of a reset year. Nobody's going to 
nobody's going to get in trouble for not having an event. It just is the way it is. And I think people have kind of gotten over that. And now we're already looking towards 2021. I mean, am I missing something or are you seeing the same thing? No, you're exactly right, David. That's that's the challenge we face indeed. Um, when I mean, there are two things that rush to my mind. I mean, the first is within the aviation community, when Sun and Fun was really the earliest app to grapple, could it or couldn't it? It first postponed, hoping that things would improve more rapidly than they did, then finally canceled. And then uh, Lights and Greg Gibson have done a great job, I think, uh, reaching out to the community beyond that and keeping the Sun and Fun message out there and alive because they do a they do a great program of supporting education within the Sun and Fun community. EAA was the next major one up. Lots of smaller ones obviously um, had to decline along the way. We we waited till the end of June. Indeed, by late May, things were beginning to look up. June 4th, the governor of Nevada opened up to phase two. But in point of fact, by the end of June, things were already beginning to turn again. And so both with attention to our sponsors, you know, number one, we polled them. About half of them were, were willing to go forward if we could do it safely. And uh, But half of them just knew that it wouldn't be the best environment to bring, you know, guests and, and others into. Our volunteers, you know, many of our volunteers are older. And we polled them and talked to them, and we recognized that in some key areas we actually would have been extremely short, uh, but overall there was a risk. So in point of fact, we, we waited the last minute, but finally by late June we decided we too had no choice but to cancel and turn all of our attention toward 2021. So we're, we're trying to wrap up. We're collecting now information on those who'd like refunds. We're working with the aircraft exhibitors and others that have already participated and you know, trying to pay them back at this point. But we couldn't be happier. Steel, Oris, RSCVA, for those in your audience, the Reno Sparks Convention Visitors Association, and the Reno Tahoe Airport Authority, all of those four major sponsors have just been absolutely terrific in trying to provide support to keep us going. We'll probably uh, take a page out of some of what EAA and, and Sun and Fun have done. You know, we're hoping to have a virtual time and opportunity for a couple of the four days that we would have normally operated. But between that and the second point I'd make is Reno itself is an incredibly special community. It has so many uh, special events that this has hit Reno very hard. You know, not only is Nevada, you know, a tourism and gaming community, and Reno is is a microcosm of that. So Peppermill, Nugget, Eldorado Resorts, you know, they've they've all been strong in their support for us, recognizing that in the end we had to we had to cancel. And so all of them, like ourselves, are looking forward to reconfigure for 2021. There are some benefits. You know, it's they say when you got lemons, make lemonade, and among the benefits are every year. In the very time that you're usually out working on next year's budgets with people, August, September, before they lock them up, we're in the, the midst of, of organizing the races and delivering them and then doing the wrap-up. And so about October, we're normally coming back alive, by which point in time a lot of budgets have already been pretty locked in. So this actually, you use the term quite well. This is giving us an opportunity for a reset. Figure out now that we don't have these races Stop, look, learn, listen from everything we've done in the past and figure out how better to address going forward. We knew if we race this year and we know, you know when we race next year that we'll have to do more for, for personal protective equipment, for key people and, and 
tight places, places like the tower where you've got fire, crash fire rescue up there, you've got operations, you've got the air boss. Now we can have 15 or so people in what's a very small space. And obviously we'll have to, probably social distancing will still be an issue and unless a vaccine has become uh, widely available by that point and everybody's in, been able to have access to it. So we're, we're using this to do exactly what you said, David, figure out how to reset and uh, prepare for the best year ever in 2021. Well, and that's because I think it is necessary. And, and you mentioned something at the beginning of, um, of this interview is that you were sitting in the stands as an attendee and said, I think I can do that. And that is what we don't want to lose in this country because for this is unique and, and we are so grateful to be in America and be in this great country. And aviation is universal. I've been all over the world flying airplanes. So there is some universe, universality to that. I'm, I'm saying it wrong, but the key to this whole thing is that spark. And so here you were successful in your own right and you sat in the stands and said, I think I can do that. And then you did it. And that's why these aviation events are so important because it could take you 20 years. We all have our stories. Um, we don't want to have a lapse. We, we want to make sure that these events are here. That's why air shows and air racing events, we are here for that spark. And it's not just aviation people, right? Uh, you, you've probably heard the stories. People can come out to the races and just say, if that's possible, my dream is also possible, uh, but that's me getting passionate. <laughs> no, but, I mean, you're absolutely right, and it's and it's not just American. Uh, I mean, you know, most of many of our racers are from the states, but we have a number. We've had some from New Zealand, some from Spain, some from England. This attracts both uh, domestic and international racers, and it also attracts nearly probably ten, twelve percent of our fans are international, which was another feature in this year and why it was. You know, increasingly unlikely that we would have ever, even if we could have done the races, we would probably had more than about a third of our normal attendance. And as you say, between sponsors and attendees, without that, we don't have the wherewithal to build the races into the future. So, yeah, and the other thing I think is just so important about this is, you know, some of the innovations. You look at the sport class in particular. And many of the things that people have done to take those Lance Airs and other thing, other planes to be so fast, you know, excess of 400 miles an hour now, are just incredible. And people invest their time and their energy to make the competition what it can be, which just, you know, makes, I think, makes the excitement of American innovation come to the forefront. You look at what Andy Finley did when he first won the gold, a little over 400 miles an hour. And uh, many of the people in the past have just done a terrific job with everything from glass airs to rockets to Lance Air Legacies. And I believe in general, Lance Air Legacy is one of the most dominant planes out there. Yeah. But you never know. Come next year, there can be one more. So it's, um, it's just great to see. It is somewhat unique. Like I said, there's there's other racing, and, and we appreciate that, right? I mean, it's it's good to see each of these aviation events. Nobody's in competition with each other, and even the racers out there. It's fun for the racers. It's fun for the crowd. And, yeah, people want to go out there and win, but you, you said it earlier in the conversation. There is a, a family environment to the air racers, and it was interesting. I had spent probably four years having one of my jets that would race out there and spend a lot of those years in the pits 
But this year, or, or the last year, that uh, 2019 when I was there, I got to drive around in a golf cart and just meet the fans. And it is amazing to me. The um, just that that level of excitement in the fans that, quite frankly, when you get head buried down, maybe in the pits, you don't see it enough. And what an eye opener to go around the crowd and just see that it was you could feel that vibration out of everybody who was there watching this event. It's an amazing thing to watch, and it is unique to the uh, Steel National Championship Air Races. Well, I agree, and I think the other thing is you uh, toured that year that you probably saw that I think is so inspiring is, you know, we've, we've now have, last year we had upwards of 7,000 school aids kids through our education zone, and uh, it's been done in collaboration with uh, others. And from our point of view, having an opportunity to both inspire and educate, you know, even though it's in a much smaller scale than, let's say, EAA's operations with Kid Venture, it gives kids an opportunity to have a hands-on chance to build something, to do something, to learn something, and then have part of the day to be able to enjoy the racers, meet them. You know, one of the things that you've seen, you know, racers love is when the kids come around. I mean, there are lots of tchotchkes, whether they're pins, stickers, model airplanes, and, you know, from from our point of view as pilots, there's just, I think there's nothing more satisfying than seeing somebody else get hooked and come to share the passion. Uh, over the years, I can point to at least a dozen people that I've, uh, as I jokingly say, I, I stick the needle in deep and, and get them hooked for a while, and, uh, and then they're off and on their own. And, and it's, it's sharing the love of aviation and giving people an opportunity to have access. It's one of the things that I think Reno does well out there. And it's one of the reasons we love to, we love to be able to do it every year to just ignite that spark in somebody, whoever it may be. We may never even know until years later, but it's just it's what will keep this industry going and it's what will keep this love of aviation growing. Well, yeah, I mean, take last year when you came out with the with the stall drags and incorporated something new into it. So even the people that have been going to the races for years and years and years appreciated something new, something different, something evolving. And I think any event needs that, and it's easier said than done. There's challenges to get that to happen. But I will say this, I heard from people in and out of the area that that whole uh, element that where those uh, stall drags were set up, the bar and the seating area went over really well. It showed that the races evolve, and I'm sure that they'll evolve with what's going on now. Um, I keep saying I want the new normal to be the old normal, but we're going to see changes. We're going to see technology change. You mentioned it in the aircraft, and there's technology now to live stream stuff out of the cockpits of the aircraft. Are there any any changes that are planned for next year that you feel comfortable talking about that people can look forward to when they come out? Well, as you saw last year, and we would have done it in 2020, and we intend to do it in 2021, we actually uh, enhanced our live stream. We had over 200,000 people live streaming from around the world, and we were just delighted with that. Uh, We had a handful of cockpit cameras. We intend to expand those next year. And um, we do have a couple of... uh, of new offerings, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to, until one of our partners announces, but, but keep your eye on the game front. We may have some interesting things going on there. 
in the name of the Reno Air Races. Um, but, you know, I think on-site we're going to build on enhancing our fans' experience. Stoll was a huge hit. I can't give enough credit to Kevin Quinn and his team, quite honestly. Do you, you know, when you meet the Stoll Racers, you know, I've hardly ever met a more energized, enthusiastic uh, group of people who are truly dedicated to flying. And, you know, I, I hate to make light of closed course pylon, but, you know, I've said it publicly before, so I'll say it again. You know, in one way, I think what we do as closed course racers is a little easier than what they do. Yeah. You know, they take off, accelerate, slow down, slip, land, stop, turn around, and go through all the the uh, elements of flight and land at the other end, and the first one to stop wins past the finish line. And, you know, so in a matter of minutes, they basically have done twice the full range of flight management and um, with a plane side-by-side to them. And so in many ways, my hat's off to them. I mean, their, their understanding and, and attention to detail for controlling trim, power, uh, pitch, and managing their, their drag in a way that they basically become the winner, you've you got to be impressed. As a pylon racer, all I have to do is not hit anybody when I come down, <laughs> go around the course, not hit anybody on the course, fly the best line I can fly. As they say, go fast, turn left, don't crash. <laughs> you know, it's, you get all done with that, and we get to land. So, again, I don't make light of it. What we do, it's fast, it's exciting. It's in close competition with six to eight other planes, um, and that's one of the things that's always sort of separated us from Red Bull and some of the Red Bull racing shows enormous talent of these acrobatic pilots, but they're racing against the clock. We're racing against others. So, I mean, each one of these is to be admired and revered for the time and talent and energy that people put into it. But Kevin and his gang of stole racers, uh, my hat's off to them, and we're honored to have them part of the Reno team. Yeah, it is. And between, I think, stall and sport class that you've already mentioned, that has gone a long way to really putting a shot in the arm for general aviation because you're right these are the airplanes people can go out and buy and fly not that they can't buy a t6 or a jet like i fly or or one of the other formula ones or something you know dedicated to racing but i've seen a shot in the arm to general aviation just because of the racing events and what the what the stall drag guys are doing i'll get yelled at by all my fans if i don't ask about the unlimiteds because to my chagrin and i'm a jet guy right so i think jets are the coolest thing out there i am dumbfounded and amazed at the level of uh, veracity of the fans for the unlimited racers any um obviously the unlimiteds will be there but any any new word on the unlimited class well, the unlimited class with, <clears throat> with Sherm's leadership, the Sanders family, uh, the Hintons, we'll still be there. We'll still be racing. Indeed, uh, when we were short a couple of years ago, I had my P-51 raced by Mike Flieger and uh, Lady B. And so I was delighted when Brent Heisey came back at Miss America because I've always believed you know, Miss America is just one of those iconic aircraft and uh, having her back at Reno is just such a pleasure. But Michael Brown, you know, redid his aircraft, brought it back as Goldfinger. The class is smaller. The trouble that we face uh, is not necessarily just in the size of the class, but it's in the cost of the Super Unlimiteds. I mean, basically, the last of the Super Unlimiteds, you know, you can name three of them, 
top of mind, Rare Bear, Voodoo, and Strago. Rare Bear, uh, Rod Lewis has made a decision basically to retire it. Rumor has it he may be making uh, modifications to it to take another run at the speed run just to make certain that nobody can ever beat Rare Bear's uh, top speed. And I hope he does. And if, if Rod's listening, I, I've told him this before, if he takes another run at the speed run, we hope he'll bring it back. Because I'd love to have one more shot at Rare Bear against Strager. <laughs> uh, Strager is still there. Tiger Stephanie would love to see it back. But Voodoo, as you know, is uh, now under the Hinton's control and Plains of Fame. I don't think they intend to race it. They've done some great side-by-side flights, you know, with Strega and uh, Voodoo, uh, which are beautiful to see for the crowd. And and the Chino Air Show is always, if people haven't been there in, in the spring, you know, you're missing an opportunity for a wonderful aviation. The Hinton family has just been so important to air racing over time, both senior and junior, um, much like the Sanders family. Dennis Sanders and the whole family, Joel Swiger, his son-in-law, won two years ago. Dennis last year. I mean, we we couldn't be happier with, that, with this kind of commitment that exists by so many of these guys. So you're right. Uh, it's a smaller class than it's been historically, but Sherm's doing a great job. And many of the people that have raced in years past, like Segetti and Dan Vance and Kurt Brown, you know, remain committed and, and, um, and we'll always have unlimited racing. But I fear that unless the economy turns and, uh, and somebody decides to invest the 500000 or so it takes to begin to make a super unlimited racer, I think that we're going to be looking at the days when jets will be the fastest and even the sports will begin nipping at the heels of some of the unlimiteds. And, uh, and I, I hope our fans can find excitement in that. I mean, the jet class is, uh, as you know, having been in it, the jet class is just super exciting and fun, attracted a whole new group of people. But the reason that I do love sport and uh, T6, as we call it, the poor man's racer, <laughs> and stole is, you know, they contribute to what I'd call the democratization of racing. They, they're the planes that, you know, like me years ago, that allow you to say, well, I could do that. And, uh, and, and it's, you know, a little stretch. It's an affordable thing that people can do. And that's what we all want to see. I don't want to see aviation carved off so that it's not broadly accessible to Americans like it used to be in the 50s and the 60s and even the 70s. I mean, I, I got my license in 71. You know, it's just, I can't believe that it. it's been over 50 years soon that I've been flying. And I just, I value the many pilots and experience, many pilots and friends I've met and the experiences I've had because aviation has just helped enrich my life. And, and I think it's true for everybody that's out there. Couldn't agree more with you. Um, you know, I got my license back in 79. So, yeah, a lot has changed. A lot has gone on. Um, and so here's what I tell people all the time. It's easy to sit back and complain. It's easy to sit back and do nothing. But what can the fan do? What can the aviation person do right now today that can help ensure that the Reno Air Races, that the Steel National Championship Air Races, or whatever we call them, what can they do? What should they be doing right now, Fred? Well, we have nearly 17,000 email addresses that are active and current and on our newsletter. We put out one every month to keep people. If there's anybody in your listing audience who is not on that newsletter, it's free. Just give us your email address and uh, open them up when they come through so we know that people are responding. And A, be a part of our community. B, 
Uh, we still have the old-fashioned, you know, memberships in, in the Reno Air Races, if you'd like. And we are a 501c3. We are a charitable, nonprofit uh, foundation. And, look, we, we need donations. Uh, last year I donated personally a significant amount of money, and a number of others did. Um, if anybody has, even in these difficult times, has any interest in making a charitable contribution, it can be to the Reno Air Racing Association or just RARA, R-A-R-A, and send it to our address at Mount Anderson Road, Reno, Nevada, and you'll get a letter and tax-deductible treatment. Uh, you can designate it for education for our kids' program. You can designate it for general uh, if you want. You can designate it to our safety and training programs. These are all things you can do, or you can designate it to our military because, you know, we we do a lot with the military. We are, we were so disappointed. We had the F-35 set up to be out there this year. Such an exciting aircraft for our fans to see. But in 2021, we have the Thunderbirds on deck and ready. They were there a year ago. They had a great time. The fans had a great time. They're a wonderful team, a more personable group of people I don't think you could ever meet. And they're looking forward to coming back, and we're looking forward to having them. So the fans, uh, one, get on our newsletter, become a part of us, number one. Donate if you can, number two. And number three, Reno Air Races, 2021, September I think it's 15 through 19. Uh, make your plans to be there. We'll pray COVID will be behind us, and uh, we can go back and celebrate. And if we're allowed to race and, and we can operate, we will assure you that even if there are lingering concerns on health, we will design the races to op operate safely and provide sufficient social distancing. Because the one thing we have on a big old military base is we've got lots of space. Don't hesitate. Come and be part of us. Um, if, if you come before, thank you. God bless you. And if you've never had a chance, uh, come see what, what draws so many people, nearly 100,000 people a year, to come watch these uh, pilots and planes perform and compete in uh, in what we consider the most iconic steel national championship air racing event. I agree 100%. And I think when people get involved, they feel better as well. Because to simply absorb such great entertainment, which is easy to do, you buy your ticket, you walk in the gate, and that's great. Buying tickets is what helps pay for these shows as well. But to really be a part of something, so people want to be part of communities, and you know, here's your chance. Join a mailing list, donate what you can. It doesn't need to be big dollars. Your video that, that you did, uh, Fred, was great, and what Ra Ra put together, it's a very low amount of money. If people that are on the mailing list just took a little bit of time to say, look, I want to be a part of the solution because not everybody can be a volunteer. Not everybody can be spend the money to be a racer. Maybe not everybody can even show up to the event, but they certainly can get involved. And there is, I don't even want to use the word karma, but there is that inspiring feeling of being a part of a solution. And we're, you know, I'm primary to air shows and air racing, but no matter what we do in life, we need to take an active role. And this is just another opportunity to do so. Well, it certainly is. And as you say, I mean, I, I don't make light of it. I mean, these are difficult times for, for a number of people. Um, unemployment's at an all-time high. Uh, I mean, yes, it was briefly even higher. But in the modern time, this has uh, really been at an all-time high recently. 
So, uh, you know, the other issue is even if you can't give money, if you want to become a part of it, you know, you can go on our website, airrace.org. Say you want to be a volunteer. There's a tab for that. We've got a wonderful uh, volunteer coordinator, and she'll work with you. And I'll, we have a dozen or more areas where people can volunteer and be part of the air racing. And even if they don't have the wherewithal to want to contribute monetarily, to understand their time, their skill, and their uh, enthusiasm all help make this institution continue to the future. And when I took it on, I, you know, it was the 54th. You know, I'm hoping to see this get to the 100th. The reality is the Reno Rodeo, uh, speaking uh yeah. Uh, locally celebrated its 100th anniversary last year. When they did that, as I've said in the Reno community, I, I want to see us do the same in the future. Who knows what we'll be racing then? I expect we'll be racing electric planes, too. Yeah. I expect there'll be all kinds of things that are hard to imagine today, just like it was. it would be hard in the 60s and 70s to imagine what flying would be like even now. So, look, we're delighted to have anybody come out and be part of our community. We're open, we're enthusiastic, and uh, it is a barrel of fun. It's only about 12 miles north of downtown Reno. And the Reno Sparks community is just Tahoe's over the hill an hour away. You come out, there's so much to see and do. If you're not racing uh, and, you're not a, and you're not taken up at night, you know, there's wonderful gaming, hotels, restaurants and scenery in the area in September is just beautiful. So it's a it's a great place to come to vacation. And if you come during race week, you'll see America's fastest motorsport. Outstanding. Fred, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. I know you're a busy guy and I really do appreciate it. And I hope, ladies and gentlemen, that you hear the enthusiasm. This is coming from the top and is it resonates throughout the entire event. So uh, Fred telling, ladies and gentlemen, Fred, thank you so much for coming on the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. And here's an open invitation to you. Uh, I'm local. I'm in the Reno area. Uh, if there's anything I can ever do to be of service to you and the rah-rah, Please don't hesitate to ask. It would be my absolute pleasure. Well, David, thank you. And as I I started off the beginning, especially in this challenging year, thank you for what you and Renegade Aviator Radio Show do to keep aviation alive, to keep all of our fans up to date on what's going on. You perform an incredible and important service because, you know, what what you do is you're providing a bridge to keep everybody up to date and aware and helping us with the enthusiasm for the future. So all the best to you. God bless America. God bless America, Fred. Thanks again. I appreciate it. South Tower Thunderbird 5, the two ship over Craig. Request straight in full stop for 5, SFO airspace for number 6. Thunderbird 5, now tower report left base, runway 3 right. Thunderbird 5, left base for 3 right. Slow into 250. Stand by for some board. Stand by gear. Gear now. Thunderbird 5, gear right. Thunderbird 5, runway 3 right, wind 040 at 11, gust 17, clear to land, clear low approach. Thunderbird 5, clear to land, up to right. Thunderbird 6 on the go, request high key. Thunderbird 6, right turn out approved, report high key at or below 10,000, right turns, runway 3 right, squawk number 1 able. Call our listener line, 888-366-5256. Ask a question, leave a comment, 888-366-5256. Ha <laughs> ha! 
<laughs> okay, let's wrap this show up. First, I want to give credit to Bobby Thompson for her helping me set up this week's interview with Fred Telling of the Reno Air Race Association. Bobby, thank you. And you can search my podcasts and listen to the show that I did with Bobby a while back. Go ahead and search for it. And while you're there, we are on virtually any podcast network there is. So search us, like us, listen, share, rate us five stars, whatever you do with podcasts, do it with us. (laughs) Anyway, I want to wrap up this week's show with a simple, I can do that. It came up a couple times in the show. Air shows and aviation events like air racing show people what is possible. I can do that. Ask anyone who's accomplished anything worthwhile and you will hear the same thing. In today's world, doom and gloom is easy. The boo-hoo, woe is me, insert your excuse, that's easy. But do you have something that you want to do in your life? Well, you can do that. That's why we're here. You can do that. We're here to inspire you. Look, so this year, our air shows are dark. So what? I have a mission, and I don't get the luxury of quitting. And I won't let you, my friend, get off that easy either. (laughs) So what could the renegade aviator do to still demonstrate excellence, entertain, inspire, and spark? You, my listener, you, my fan, and you, my friend, with or without air shows. How could we provide value to sponsors that want to work together with us? How do we provide value to the participants and the things that we're doing to our crew and to the people involved in our world record attempts? And how can we provide value to our fans? At the beginning of this show, I made a comment. Stay tuned. That's what I said, right? I said, stay tuned till the end. Well, here it is. Remember this, worldrecordjet.com or my website, renegadeaviator.com. Join my emailing list. Join any of my lists. Just click contact us. You know, there's a million ways that you can join one of our mailing lists. Click on those links. And when you do that, you're going to contact me. And we're going to give you a free Renegade Aviator Team Decal, man. Pretty cool. The guy with the skull, the skull logo, pretty cool stuff. But I've got something even better for those of you that want to get further involved. If you want to join our crew, or if you want to support our World Record Jet program for $50 or more, so join my crew or support worldrecordjet.com for 50 bucks or more, and we're going to give you a free t-shirt while supplies last. Now, that may not sound like much, but you are helping us in our mission. You're getting involved. There's a lot of other perks for being involved in what we're doing, and you will see that very, very soon. But here's the bottom line. Air shows or no air shows, you will see me. You will see my TS-11 Iskra jet, and I'm looking for fans to follow our video program, to come out and meet us at events. And for you young adults, 18 to 30 years of age, man, we have got a great opportunity for you to be a part of our crew, to be a part of the Zoom crew. You'll find out why that matters because you're the new generation in aerospace and we want to give you something positive. We want to showcase what you can do. We want to give you the opportunity to do what you think is not possible. WorldRecordJet.com. 
50 bucks or more or join my crew while supplies last i can cancel it at any time so you got to contact me quick we don't have unlimited supplies of this stuff but for the first group of you and the reason why i'm doing this is simple because we're starting phone calls weekly phone calls these are zoom uh, video calls where we're going to put our group together and you're going to be able to look behind the scenes if you're part of our crew you'll be able to look behind the scenes of what we're doing with this world record jet program and hear all the cool stuff anyway How's that? All right, so it's time. It's time to end this show. But we'll be back next week. This is David Costa in the air with my TS-11 Iskra Jet, the Spark, and on air with you each and every week. So make sure you listen each and every week. I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya! Two turn eight. Two turn eight. Two turn eight.